Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. One of the most breathtaking prophecies in the Bible is the promise of the new heavens and earth. But how will the new heavens and earth come about? Lee Brainerd is here today to answer this important question. Watchmen on the Wall is now heard on almost 700 radio signals across America, as well as OnePlace.com and as a daily podcast. Make sure you take Watchmen on the Wall with you by downloading our free mobile app. Visit your app store and type the letters SWRC in the search bar. The SWRC mobile app has hundreds of archived programs as well as the latest program ready for you. The SWRC mobile app. Download it today. On that glorious day in the future, the widespread effects of the fall and the curse will be undone. Man will experience an unbroken, utopian blessing in his eternal home. We call it the new heavens and earth. But how will this come about? Will the current heavens and earth cease to exist and be replaced by a second creation? Or will the current earth be refurbished by earthquake and fire from heaven as the last earth was refurbished by the flood? Let's find out. Here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino. When we think of Bible prophecy, we think of subjects like rapture, resurrection, the great tribulation, millennial kingdom, and so on. But what does the Bible say about the final state of the universe? Does a cosmic conflagration destroy everything, or is everything made new? I have a fascinating book in my hand that deals with an area of the biblical revelation that has not received very much treatment, but of course is very important because the Bible addresses such matters. I'm visiting with Lee Brainerd, author of the new book. It's titled, The New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation. Lee, I thank you for writing uh, a book on on such a, a very important topic. Well, I'm glad that the book is appreciated. It's been a labor of love to me to understand the prophetic scriptures and to dive deep to the bottom of every important question. Well, you certainly address issues such as the eternality of Mount Zion, the eternality of David's throne, the eternal kingdom. Thank you for being on the show with me, and um, I I think this is going to be two great interviews. Amen. I'm really excited about taking this topic up, brother. Lee, what prompted you to dive into this mountain of material? And you really have done a lot of exegetical work and so forth. How did you get involved in this project? Well, to me, one of the foundation principles of my whole ministry is really to uphold the inspiration and authority of Scripture. So when I see an issue, whether it's a challenge to dispensationalism or whether it's a challenge that comes from within the camp on how we interpret a certain subject, I want to try and draw people's minds back to what does the Scripture say? Amen. Because... Ultimately, when we stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to find out that the scriptures are absolutely everything, and tradition, no matter how long held and no matter how venerated, is worth nothing. Yep, I agree. The Bible speaks about cosmic events of the end times concerning the heavens, the planets, the earth being burned up, and so forth. Revelation 21.1 speaks about John, who sees a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And then 
In Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Does this describe a second creation, or does this speak about the altering of the existing creation, a kind of renovation, like uh, someone renovating an old house? Well, I actually myself go with the renovation view. I know it's not the most common view in our day, but when you look at everything that's in the Bible on the eternality of the earth, the eternality of the heavens, the eternality of Mount Zion, the eternality of David's throne, you just keep going down that path, you realize that perhaps we're actually misunderstanding Revelation 21.1, and that it's not talking about an annihilation and a replacement, but it's just talking about a renovation. Right, cosmic renovation. I know I've, uh, you, you've got several good arguments, I think. Maybe share with our listeners what, what are the arguments for the two views, what is at stake, and why do you hold to the renovation view? Sure. There's three main arguments for the annihilation of the universe and being replaced by a brand new universe. The first one is the chronological argument. They simply point out that in Revelation 21.1, we see the new heavens and the earth mentioned after the thousand years. The second argument I call the exegetical argument. They will look at passages in the Bible like Second Peter chapter 3 and other places where the heavens and the earth, they pass away, or the elements are melting and burning with fire, or the elements are dissolving, or the heavens roll up like a scroll. And then the third argument is the theological argument, that the universe is so defiled, it must be thrown away. Well, let me start with the theological argument. The universe is so defiled that it must be thrown away. Now, the Lord, when he deals with the fallen angels and and the rebellious mankind, He doesn't cause them to cease to exist. He puts them in eternal prison, the eternal lake of fire. So these people here and creatures who introduced rebellion and pollution into the universe, they get to live forever, even though they're living in a very terrible estate. We call it eternal death. But it would seem unjust or unreasonable to take the innocent creation which has not sinned, it's been sinned against, and caused that to cease to exist. So the second thing that I point out over and over again in my book on these exegetical arguments, a term like passing away does not necessarily mean, in fact, it almost never means cessation of existence. Right. It means changing state. And when we comes to like the elements dissolving, we see, is the elements talking about atoms and molecules, or is it talking about the planets and the sun and the moon and the stars? Constellations, which is a legitimate question. Here's another point on the dissolving. The scripture uses the word luo, which is like to loose a donkey from its, mm-hmm. when it's tied up to a post, or to loose a ship when it's tied up to its mooring, or to loose anything in that sense. If the Bible had meant dissolve, it probably would have used the technical Greek terminology of analuo, which is what they use in the scientific writings. So we start looking at these exegetical arguments and we realize 
there's not a lot of substance there. And finally, on the chronological argument, when we come to Revelation 21.1, and the new heavens and earth following the thousand years, there isn't anything here that requires us to believe that the new heavens and the new earth are going to cease and be replaced. All that's being done here is the new Jerusalem cannot come down to heaven until we have, or from heaven to earth, until we have two things. We need to have the kingdom established by the Lord Jesus Christ right. and his kingdom work done, and we need to have a new heavens and a new earth. Now, in the context, we just got done talking about the thousand years, so we have the finished kingdom. And all he's doing is just introducing the thought, oh yeah, i got to let you know now, the new heavens, there is a new heavens and a new earth. And so now the two conditions are met for the new Jerusalem to come down and mankind to enjoy the presence of the Father, as well as the presence of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's fascinating. You know, when you're talking, giving the views and uh, presenting the scriptures, I think you make a very, very powerful clear-cut case. But from some of the things I've read, that's not what a lot of the scholars hold to. Is that correct? In other words, you've got a really sound exegetical belief, and you make a good case for it, but a lot of the scholars hold something different. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Historically, if we go back into the 1800s, uh, the early 1900s, the dominant view was the renovation view. But somewhere around the era of World War II, forward to our modern day, the dominant view has become the cessation of existence or the annihilation view with an ex nihilo creation or recreation. And so some of the biggest names in Bible prophecy from the last few decades and, and some of the biggest names today, they just simply... They just state, they affirm it like it's a fact right. that the universe is going to cease to exist. I know a lot of times theologians, even good exegetes, are influenced by what's going on in culture and society. What was it about World War II, that period that, I mean, was it something, the philosophy, maybe somebody like Kant became very popular? What, what do you think precipitated that change? Well, I think... It's a little bit more of a generic problem that we simply face in every school, of the, in every branch of theology, really. Right. Oftentimes, the earlier generations are extremely studious. They're the ones that started the battle to produce the truth. They go really broad, really deep. There's always, well, not only a temptation, but it just happens this way. That as the school of thinking gets established, it gets older, the new generations of leaders that rise up, they're just following in the footsteps of them that preceded, and they don't do as much original investigation on their own. And so they just follow what they were taught in university, and they, you know, everybody's got a little bit of independence, but many of the points today in dispensationalism like this point where there's difference of opinion, people have never really researched it deeply. They're just following the people that they admire. Wow. That's, I think that's a very good explanation. Well, friends, our guest is Lee Brainerd. He's the author of The New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation. 
It is a book that carries us way into the future. You can get your own copy by calling our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. And I think you'll be reading about something that you've never really read about before in this degree of detail. But it is material that is in the Bible and therefore worthy of study. Just give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Ask for The New Heavens and Earth by Lee Brainerd. I've read pretty much the entire book, and I think this is really an eye-opening book. And like I said at the very beginning, we don't give much thought to it. There are the other major prophetic themes, and of course, Israel is a prophetic theme, very important. But this is very, very significant and very critical, I think, because this tells us what's eternity future going to be like, and the Bible does address this matter. Our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Lee, I'm thinking about 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11. It speaks about the heavens passing away with a great noise and the elements melting with fervent heat, the earth and also the works that are therein being burned up. What do you get out of those two verses? When I was a younger believer, and it just influenced by the common thinking, I thought, well, okay, everything is just going to burn up and cease to exist. Yes. But I've been studying the Greek language for over four decades. I read the Greek New Testament. I read extra-biblical Greek, like classical Greek wow. and patristic Greek. And I've just gotten a, a broader knowledge of, of Greek, and it's just started to dawn on me I'm a, as I'm reading the Greek New Testament These passages do not mean what we're taught that they're saying. People are basing their understanding on a superficial understanding of the English. For instance, when we come into the concept of passing away or perishing, you know, the passing away is the Greek verb parerkamai, perishing is the Greek verb apolemi. But both of these verbs are most commonly used in situations where nothing actually ceases to exist. It's a change of state. Right. And in Daniel 4.31, in the Septuagint, the kingdom passed from Nebuchadnezzar. The, the, the kingdom didn't cease to exist. Somebody else just took the reins. Right. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, when it's talking about the new birth and the old things pass away, The human being doesn't cease to exist in this process and get replaced. He actually gets changed. Now, when you come to dissolving, this is really cool thought, too, because the parallel passage where 2 Peter chapter 3 gets its language from is Isaiah 34 and the first few verses where the host of the heavens will be dissolved. I think this is a poor translation, let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't a poor translation originally, but it is today. Right. Because it's talking about things being loosed so that they're drifting or, or moving away. The whole concept here is motion, not cessation of yeah. existence. If they wanted to portray, if God wanted to portray the concept of dissolving, he would have used the technical Greek term analuo rather than simply luo. The other thing I would point out, if you look at the passage in Isaiah 34, 4, the Hebrew parallelism with the dissolving, it's paralleled with the figs falling from the tree and the heavens rolling like a scroll. So again, we have motion here. This is 
they're being loosed so that they're moving. So the man in the, on the street is looking up in the heavens, and the heavens are moving like a scroll moves. And that's, that's all it's talking about. When it comes to the elements, this is pretty cool, because you, if you look up elements in the standard lexicon, it's going to tell you that the elements here are talking about like the subatomic particles and, and, and atoms and molecules and things of that nature. And they'll tell you that it can't refer to the basic elements of astronomy, which is the sun, the moon, the five visible planets, the stars, like the zodiac and the constellations. They'll claim that that meaning is too late. It appeared in the early church history, and therefore it can't be used in the New Testament. But those lexicons are wrong. I, myself, I have, on my own studies, I have found this word elements, which in Greek is stoicheia, used in jubilees, which is between 100 and 170 B.C., the Book of Wisdom, which is about 100 B.C., and Philo, who's just barely into A.D. Into the, he's like between A.D. 10 and A.D. 30 when he was writing. So... Here I found, on my own, found three instances where this word stoicheia, which is translated elements, is used for the heavenly bodies. I think all the passages saying you look up in the heavens and you see the heavenly bodies on fire. And then finally, when it talks about burning up in this context, it's not talking about a burning up into nothing. It's simply talking about the fact that the whole earth is going to get destroyed by fire in a way that's analogous to the earth getting destroyed by the flood. And so it's comparing the, the flood with the second coming. And I'd also want to point out to people that the whole context, the people are mocking the judgment that's coming at the second coming. And so this isn't a reference to the end of the thousand years. This is a reference to the second coming. Well, of course, what we're talking about presupposes the significance of reading and understanding the passage in the original language. I think that's very commendable. Now, I know there are some Christians who want to stick with only one English translation, but I think as you're pointing out, there is much, much, much more to be learned from the original language. And so, you are thoroughly biblical, and sometimes people who only want to use one translation, they think if you go to the Greek, you're kind of a liberal scholar, and you're not interested in the truth. I think what you've done, apart from, from the theme of your book, is just showing the importance of original language study, the language that God originally spoke in. Of course, what we have today are translations. So, I really appreciate what you're doing, and I appreciate what we're talking about right now, because I think a lot of people are in bondage to kind of a superstitious devotion to one translation. And if you depart from that translation, it's like you've committed the unpardonable sin. And they say, well, if you believe the Bible, you will use this translation. That is not at all true. That's exactly right. And I like to encourage people if you don't understand the Greek yourself and you don't foresee yourself putting the time into learning Greek, you can do really well by just using three or four literal translations and comparing them and using the tools that are associated with them. Personally, I would recommend the King James, the New King James, the NESB, the ESV, 
I even encourage people at times to use the NIV. It's a little bit more paraphrastic, but sometimes it helps you to gather the context yeah. and then go back to the more literal translation. Right. That's that's a, certainly a good observation. I know I spent several years in seminary, and um, I think I learned a lot. And one of the things that was fascinating to me was the clarity, especially the Greek language is very complex, the participles and you know, the genders, neuter, masculine, feminine, and a lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand how Paul could write, I think Ephesians 1 through 11 is basically one sentence. Well, where's the periods? You don't need it. So that, that's wonderful. Well, we're just out of time for this first show. We'll get back to it. But we're going to have you back on our next show. Thank you so much for being our guest on uh, this show, and I think you're doing a wonderful job. Well, thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity. Lee Brainerd's book, The New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation, is a book that you must add to your library. Will the current heavens and earth cease to exist and be replaced by a second creation as many Bible teachers insist? Or will the current earth be refurbished by earthquake and fire from heaven even as the last earth was refurbished by the flood? In The New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation, Lee Brainerd presents several arguments, such as historical precedent, the character of God, the eternality of the earth, and the eternal nature of the kingdom established at the second coming, which combine to make a formidable case that the new heavens and earth will be the current heavens and earth refurbished. The new heavens and earth, recreation or renovation. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order at our website, swrc.com. Staff evangelist Josh Davis comes now with an exciting update on our Prophecy in the News event that's coming up in the Tampa Bay, Florida area. Prophecy in the News Live is coming to the Tampa Bay area of Florida, February 16th and 17th. That's a Friday and a Saturday all day long, and you don't want to miss it. We are excited to be there at the Hicks Road Baptist Church in Hudson, Florida. There is no charge for the conference, but we do ask people to register ahead of time. You can register by calling us at 1-800-652-1144, or you can register on the Events tab of our website by going to swrc.com. Again, that's swrc.com. Click on Events. Click on this particular event in Florida, and you will see the registration link at the bottom of the page. While you're on that page, you will see the full schedule, the lineup of speakers, and so much more. And I'm privileged to be joined by phone from one of our speakers, Evangelist Donald Perkins, and he will be speaking on a couple different topics, one time on Friday and a second session on Saturday. Brother Perkins, thank you for joining me. Josh, is always a blessing and an honor to be with you. I love uh, the Southwest Radio Church family, and uh, it's a privilege to be here today. Well, thank you so much, and uh, the, the feeling is mutual, I know. We've grown to love you and appreciate your ministry, and so grateful to be able to spend this time together. And Our friends, we invite you and encourage you to join with us there in Florida, February 16th and 17th. You'll hear Brother Perkins talk about on Friday 
is America in Bible prophecy. Brother Perkins, can you highlight some of that talk for us? Yes, uh, I really love that message, Josh, because uh, you know I've been teaching prophecy now for about 42 years, and uh, as a prophecy teacher, you know you always want to look and see if your country is mentioned in prophecy. And this is the question that I'm going to answer uh, in this particular message. It's a very straightforward message. I'm going to look at a lot of scripture. I'm going to look at different views that are being taught out there. In other words, people have have said that America is here. America is there based on certain scriptures. We're going to look at that. But I'm going to give you my observation based on what I believe from scripture. Is America in prophecy or not? We'll also look at some of the founders, what the founders of America, what they said about this nation as God used them to found this great nation. So we'll look at the founders of America in their own words. And then we're going to look at the sin of the nation reaching to heaven. We're going to see that this nation is a great nation. It started as a great nation, but there's sin in this nation, and the sin of America is reaching into the heavens. And again, God is concerned about that. So I got one other section I'm going to look at dealing with has uh, America's judgment begun. And again, we're going to look at certain aspects of that in reference to what is going on in the nation. We're going to analyze it based on Scripture, but we will close with hope, though. I'm, I got one section entitled uh, America's Only Hope for God's Mercy. And we're going to look at that, but uh, we're going to focus in on answering the question, is America in Bible prophecy? And we're going to see what the scripture says. Now, I'm reminded of a verse I would love to read. It's uh, Psalm 33, 12. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he have chosen for his own inheritance. That's a very, very powerful statement. And uh, we're going to share in that America was not blessed because she was just a good nation. This nation did some things that honored God, and therefore God blessed her. America put God first. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But we can also say cursed is the nation whose God is not the Lord, and that, again, is my concern as well. So we're going to look at that. I mean, it's a very, very thought-provoking message that's going to help us to see just where we are. And I really believe, Josh, that it's going to give you a fresh burden for America like you've never had before. Friends, we're visiting with Evangelist Donald Perkins, and he's going to be speaking about that in our upcoming Florida Prophecy in the News live conference. Registration is free. Friends, we do encourage you, register today. You don't want to miss this. I'm excited to hear what Brother Perkins has to say in response and in answer to these important questions that he's raised. He'll be speaking on Friday and Saturday, February 16th and 17th at the Prophecy in the News live event in the Tampa Bay area of Florida, Hudson, Florida at the Hicks Road Baptist Church. Register today by calling 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting the Events tab of our website at swrc.com. One of the most breathtaking prophecies in the Bible is the promise of the new heavens and earth. On that glorious day, the widespread effects of the fall and the curse will be undone. Man will experience an unbroken utopian blessing in his eternal home. But how will the new heavens and earth come about? The New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation by Lee Brainerd. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order this book at our website, swrc.com. 
More insight and details on the new heavens and earth with Lee Brainerd coming up on tomorrow's program. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com.